Hey everybody and welcome back to the Because We Went to Therapy podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Emily. And today we are planning on taking it way back, like the you know most simple part of our name. We're going to talk all things therapy, everything that you need to know to get started with therapy. If you're thinking of going for the first time or going back or maybe wanting to talk to loved ones or friends about your mental health or about them getting help with their mental health. Really excited about that. I know we've, this is definitely something that I feel like Emily and I probably both get asked a lot is like, how do you find a therapist? How do you get started with therapy? What's the first session like? Just all the um, basic questions, I guess, that we can answer for you. So it's a little bit less intimidating going into the office for the first time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, as a therapist, offer like a 15-minute consultation call. um, And it's totally free, no obligations. We just kind of chat about, um, they ask me, you know, they might ask me about my rate, they might ask me about insurances, they might ask me my style of therapy, kind of just like a get to know you before you um, schedule an intake session. I do a free 15 minute phone call. And a lot of people don't know that therapists offer that, right? And not that like, you can totally know if like you connect with someone in 15 minutes, but it does give somebody like a way to just introduce themselves to a therapist and vice versa. And then ask any, like, kind of like logistical, but also like, okay, like I said, like, what's your style? Um, what type of treatment do you work with? What type of populations do you work with? Just to kind of see like if the therapist meets your basics and, I list that on my Psychology Today page, which if you don't know what Psychology Today is, it's basically a website where you can find therapists, psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, like you can find so many uh, mental health related professionals on there and you can input specific issues you're looking to work on, specific insurances you have, you know, specific like um, couples therapy or family therapy. And so Psychology Today is a really good resource. I would say like more than half my caseload are people that reached out to me on Psychology Today. So if you're wondering where to start, Psychology Today is a really good place because, you know, you can find therapists in your area. Even, you know, I have some clients that live in like different parts of Arizona because of telehealth. So you can find like a lot of um, good information on Psychology Today. Mm-hmm. I actually found my therapist, my current therapist through psychology today, because I didn't even know what the website really was before I was just Googling like my city plus therapist and somebody that takes my insurance. And it makes it really, really simple to like, it literally lays out exactly what insurances they take, what they specialize in. I think there might even be ratings. I can't remember or just like if people recommend this therapist or if they are accepting new patients and things like that. So I definitely found that helpful. And M, can you touch on a little bit what the different like style or common styles of therapy are? Because I think that's something I don't even really know a lot about. Like I just know like talk therapy and maybe CBT and kind of like very basic things like that. But what are some common styles? I'd love to touch on all the styles, but unfortunately there's like a hundred different modalities of therapy nowadays. Um, and so that's a, like, that's like the most common question people ask me when they, we do our 15 minute consultations or even in the first intake session is like, what model, when I say style, that's sort of what I mean. Um, 
is what modalities do you use? So yes, there's like talk therapy, but talk therapy is so broad. Like I do a lot of talk therapy, but then I also do a lot of like trauma therapy that might be more mind body focused. So talk therapy, I feel like isn't a good way to summarize um, your modality, which is why I would explain that like I do specific modalities, including psychodynamic therapy, um, which is really focused on family of origin, insight-based work. It's actually like a modern day Freud. So even though Freud was a not so great human being, his research has provided really good ways to modernize um, what he what he came up with because even though he wasn't that great of a person he, he had a really great mind um and yeah, so I mean, I used he got some things right 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 and then i do acceptance and commitment therapy which is one of my favorite modalities to work with people with eating disorders um and it can work with so many different things um i also do i'm certified in um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is EMDR, which is a trauma therapy. Um, I do that, you know, a couple times a day with people, both telehealth and in person. So like, like I said, those are just my three main, main modalities. I don't even know how many modalities are out there now, but the cool thing about the 15 minute mo uh, consultation call is that you can, the therapist can explain further, like, well, you know, psychodynamic is this or CBT or DBT like there's so many that it's it's hard to know like what one is going to work for you I would say most of the time people come and they're like I did x y and z and it did not work can you offer something different so sometimes you won't always know what works until you try it but you sometimes know that something doesn't work and so that's when it might be helpful to find a therapist who does do a different modality so you can try something different because not everything's going to work for every client and that's why I use many different modalities because I try to tailor them to the individual client. Mm -hmm. That's really good to know. And I'd be interested if maybe we can make a post or we can break down even maybe just like five or six of the different modalities because I previously didn't know any of that information. And I feel like if you were to look at just as a lay person with no mental health background, just to look at somebody's profile and it says like, psychodynamic therapy you might have like absolutely no idea what like I would have no idea what that means and I would just see like a big scientific word and be like I don't know I don't think that I need that maybe I should just find somebody right. that does quote talk therapy because that's what you assume sitting on a couch and talking to them is but like you said there's so many different ways that that can be kind of categorized and broken down yeah. And, you know, I would love to do a whole episode on EMDR because I think a lot of people hear about that. It's kind of like becoming like a buzzword, but uh -huh. they don't really know what it is. So I'd love to do a whole episode on that. And I'd also love to do a whole episode on acceptance and commitment therapy because it's the really cool thing about being a therapist and something they encourage you to do in grad school is that acceptance and commitment therapy, and I'll get into this on the episode we do on that if you're down, Ashley, but it the way that the or the theoretical orientation is set up is how I view the world. And so that's why this modality speaks so highly to me. One, because my therapist used it on me to recover from my eating disorder. And two, it's how I see the world. And so it's just like everything within this modality is like, well, this is how I view things outside of therapy. So that's why like when you find a therapist, in my personal opinion, when you th find a therapist who's really passionate about their modalities, I feel like it's going to be um, 
more beneficial because you know that this person isn't just like reading out of reading out of a textbook to help you like this is what they live and they breathe and you obviously won't know that unless you ask so that's kind of why we're talking about this but that's you know that would be a tip that i would get encourage people and like it's it's not to say that like you know if somebody is not like living breathing <laughs> that their treatment that they can't be an effective therapist that's just my therapist is so much like that and like my mentor is very much like that and so i try to be like that and that's what's been helpful for me and for my clients Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And taking it back briefly to the EMDR, I feel like I've seen that more of a buzzword lately in terms of like a lot of, I would assume they're unlicensed people practicing EMDR and kind of like, I've seen like, you know, quote life coaches and people that aren't necessarily they don't have your credentials as like a licensed counselor and somebody that's also certified in EMDR. I've seen them offering those services and it's kind of become a thing that I've seen totally separate from the therapy conversation, like people just doing EMDR sessions, like on their own, not even in therapy or working with that person for therapy because they're not able to offer that. So that maybe it's a separate conversation too about just like all the different quote coaches out there versus therapy. I know Emily and I have talked about this on our own a lot and like our own opinions about it, but I guess just leaving it at my opinion is if you're going to go see somebody for something like EMDR or something trauma-based, you definitely need to be going to somebody like a licensed professional, not just somebody that has like a, coaching certification, but somebody that can really help you cope with anything that comes up when you dig up that trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I hadn't heard of, you know, non-licensed professionals offering EMDR, but I mean, there's, I'm not even, I say certified, but I'm not even certified. Like there's levels I'm trained. I have level mm-hmm. one training. And once I'm fully licensed, I would love to get certified in it and just learn more about it. But I'm level one trained, which means that there's more to do. So, I mean, I would hope that if they're not um, licensed, at least that they have the training because it's, it actually is one of those therapies that you can do harm. Like all, I guess any therapy can do harm if like, if it's not a good therapist, but I think EMDR is such a delicate trauma treatment that I think you can do harm if you don't have the training. So I'd echo what Ashley said, uh, you know, taking the whole life coach thing outside of it, just make sure that the if you're doing EMDR, it's with a licensed professional who is trained in trained or certified because it can be either or in EMDR because it's not something that, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, can I do this at home without you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like I need to there. Um, I need you know I need not that I don't trust my clients, but I the therapist does need to be present for EMDR, and they need to be um, the training's very intense. So like it's mm-hmm. it's not something you can just mess around with, right? Like you need a guide for it. Absolutely, like and I have books and books like um, guidebooks on EMDR, and I still like I said I want to learn more about it. So yeah. Um, Definitely yeah, and that was sure definitely. Yeah, that was certainly me projecting my feelings about uncertified people offering any mental health or like life coaching onto <laughs> the EMDR training or you know offering specifically. 
And I know Emily and I have talked a lot about um, just like people that aren't certified possibly doing more harm than good, especially when I've seen like a trend on Instagram and TikTok is to have like a life coach to help you find your shadow self quote or your dig up your traumas. And it's like, if you're, if you want to do trauma work, like that can be great, but you need somebody that can be there to help you cope with what comes after that. And not just because you can talk to anybody probably and figure out like what your triggers are and what maybe delve into your history and trauma a little bit, but that's a difference between a regular person or a friend and a therapist and somebody that went to school for this. Yeah. You know, life coaches, there's other types of professionals out there that can help. Just, it depends on what you want to go for. Right. And so I would just be clear about like your intentions for what you want to get from the, you know, the bettering yourself. Right. Cause at the end of the day, that's, I think what a lot of people strive for and, mm-hmm. you know, life coaching or different types of modalities can work for different people, but just make sure that you know what you're getting and um, it, what's being advertised is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. But kind of, kind of segueing away from that topic, I feel like a lot of people, um, I don't know, like don't know how to get started or know when to get started. I feel like that's a common thing thing that comes up in conversations. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I have had even a couple people in the last week or so ask me like, how do you get started with therapy and how do you you know, like, what can you expect for the first session? So Emily, would you, do you have like a standard protocol that you go through with, after your consultation call with somebody and then uh, meeting them for the first time? Yeah. So if we do a consultation, then I will send them my availability for an intake and then they will fill out paperwork. And our paperwork is not very extensive. I know a lot of therapists do ask for extensive extensive paperwork. I know me and Ryan's couples therapist ask for like a lot of stuff. But what's important to know about that is like our mental health questionnaire that we offer people to fill out before is optional. And so a lot of people like don't want to like share about their like I'll have somebody reach out and be like, I didn't really want to talk about anything until we're scheduled in a you know in a Zoom or in person. And that's totally fine. Like if you're more comfortable not sharing information over the phone or via email, that's totally fine. So same thing goes to the paperwork, even though the paaperwork is definitely secure because it has your information and like HIPAA applies to all of that. But if you don't feel comfortable sharing information, you can definitely wait till the intake session. Um and then once we're in the intake session, like some therapists have like very structured ways that they will um, go about their intake session. But for me, I kind of tell people in the first session, like, hey, this isn't therapy. This first session is not therapy. So it might not feel like therapy. And I know most people are nervous. So I try to make the first session super easy going. I ask them questions about, you know, where they're from, what they do, kind of like those get to know you basic kind of questions. I um once I kind of know a little bit about like their background, where they grew up, what they do, then I'll be like, okay, like tell me a little bit about why you're here and feel free to share as much or as little as you're comfortable. Because like, I know that I'm asking somebody I just met 20 minutes ago to tell me their life story, right? So I try to be really sensitive in that. Like if somebody tells me that they went through something really difficult at 15 
and they don't want to share more okay fine like i'm not gonna push i'm never gonna push i mean as i get to know somebody i might like gently nudge them to talk about their experiences but I just think it's like I've had clients come to me and they're like the first session just felt like one, it felt robotic and two, it felt like they just like forced me to share everything about my life ever and like mm -hmm. not bashing other therapists who do that. But I know I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people can get turned away from therapy when a therapist is robotic in the first session or is like, tell me everything right now. And so I just, like I said, I try to make the session really easy going. And the thing about that, like if more of like that structure, um, you know, let's get started right away is your style. Then cool thing about therapy is that every therapist is not going to be the right fit for you. And that's okay. I feel like that's something mm -hmm. else, Ashley, that a lot of people like they try out one session and then they're like, well, no, that, that wasn't for me. And then they never go back. But like, I wish we could normalize shopping for therapists, just like how yeah. you like, you know, don't start dating. And obviously very different. You don't date your therapist, but just like you don't start dating the first guy you see, right? Like you might go on a couple dates with them or, you know, the first person you see, go on a couple dates, get to know if this is someone you want to be with. That's totally normal to do with a therapist too. Like I've had a lot of sessions with clients who don't come back after the first session. I'm like, okay, wasn't the right fit. And that's totally fine because I'd rather them go and find somebody that is a better fit for them like some therapists or some people prefer like a person of color if they're a person of color therapist and I'm like totally go and find that therapist just please 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 do not get turned away from therapy if you have one session with one therapist or two sessions with that therapist and you're like this is not the right fit because there's even though there's a lack, you know, we need more therapists. There are a lot of therapists out there who might be a better fit for you. So that would be like my number one. I know we kind of seg segued away from the original question, but I feel like sometimes intake sessions don't go the way that you'd hope they would went. And that's totally normal. So maybe give it one more time. Or if you're like, nope, absolutely not, then just try to find somebody else. And I know the process can be daunting, so it might be hard to do that. But that is my biggest encouragement. It's like, please don't get turned away from therapy if you have a bad experience once or twice. I know it can be frustrating and I definitely want to validate that, but it's really, really the therapeutic relationship. And I actually did my thesis on this so I could talk about it for hours is the most important factor of change to in a, in therapy. Like you have to have a good relationship with your therapist in order to make progress and succeed and get your goals. So it's really important to find the right fit. I'll pause because I feel like I just talked <laughs> for an hour. But like I said, I did my thesis on the therapeutic relationship. So it's so important to have a good relationship with your therapist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I echo everything Emily says. And then I think that's a really great point that you made about if you talk to one therapist and it's not a good fit, please don't hesitate to at least try, you know, give it one more time because I've had therapists that I've tried for one or two sessions. And I was like, no, this is not it. Like I don't fit with this person or I just don't feel like I can have an easygoing conversation with them, which any reason that you don't want to go back is valid. And it can be, it can feel mentally exhausting, especially if you didn't really want to go in the first place. And then you're like, great. I don't like my therapist either. So I'm just, you know, going to throw in the towel, which is understandable, but I just encourage you to try it at least one more time. And then I have also had friends approach me about, oh, like I started going to therapy and I've gone to this person, you know, for a couple months, six months, whatever it may be. And I just don't really feel like 
it's a good fit anymore. I just don't really enjoy going or like talking to them or feel like I'm getting anything out of it. So I kind of want to try a new therapist, but I don't want to start from the top. I don't want to start all over again. So do you have any suggestions for people that might be, you know, not exactly brand new to therapy, but maybe looking to break up with their therapist and move on to a new one? Because my only suggestion, and I don't even know if this would be accepted, but I was like, if you, because some of these people had like one big story that they just didn't, they're like, I already, you know, talked about this in therapy. I don't want to go through that again and just like rehash it. And I was like, you know, maybe just write it down. Like you were telling a friend or texting a friend or something, and then just like put it in your intake notes or just give it to your therapist on the first day and be like, here's a condensed version. Like this is, these are my goals. Like I just didn't want to rehash it, but I wanted to like get you the information from the beginning. So they kind of have a background. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it's super important to let the therapist know your background. Like when Ryan and I started couples counseling to do some premarital work together, I told my therapist about like my eating disorder recovery. I told her about my sexual abuse. Like I filled her in on things so that she would have like my family of origin. I filled her in so that she would have an, you know, a good understanding of where I'm coming from, but I didn't need to go through everything that I already went through because I already, you know, worked through that. Not that, you know, I'm completely healed because I don't believe in that, but it's like, I didn't, that wasn't my goal for going to that therapist. So like, I think you make a good Mm -hmm. point, Ashley, that like, if you, you know, had a good therapist, but maybe, maybe they stopped practicing or maybe they moved to a different state, or maybe you just want like to try somebody new. If you feel like you work through something, you don't have to go back and be like, okay, here's this. I need to tell you everything about it. I need to work through it again. It's just like, no, Hey, this is something I've worked on. And I would like to work on, you know, some people kind of like my like couples therapy, like what I really wanted to do premarital counseling. So that's what we went for to work on the relationship, not to work on like our individual selves. That's more for um, individual therapy. Right. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I think that's a great idea. Like you can just write it down and let them know, put in the intake or kind of give them a condensed version in the um, intro session. Like you can, the, Another thing that obviously I'm biased, but another thing I really think is cool about therapy (laughs) is that like you get to work on whatever the hell you want, right? Like you don't have, the therapist is not going to, hopefully not going to tell you what they think you need to work on because I always tell people that like, these are your sessions. Like I don't know you better than you know yourself. So I'm not going to come in here and be like, Ooh, like your dad died five years ago. We have to work on that. If you don't feel like you need to work on that, right? Like if you bring that up like a year and a half into our working together, of course I'll help you through it. But like, I feel like maybe that's like a stigma that people have is that like the therapist is going to like tell them what to do or give them like, tell them what they need to work on or like do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, at least for me, like I've never tell my clients what they need to work on and what they don't need to work on. Like if they present this issue, I'm not going to be like, Ooh, but this issue seems more important. So I'm going to work on that. Like I let the Mm -hmm. client be the guide in the session because it's their, it's their time and their money. So I want them to get what they want from therapy, not what I want for them. Does that make sense? Again, I keep segueing, but I just feel like everything's so related. 
Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to make because certainly something that I thought before I started going to therapy was that, oh, I'm afraid to talk about maybe this topic in therapy because my therapist is going to be like, oh, you're weird or, oh, you need to do A, B, or C and kind of, you know, there's like one straight answer to it. And then I realized after going to therapy for a couple months, it really is all about whatever you want. Like I'll tell my therapist maybe a problem or issue that I'm having and she'll be like, okay, so what do you want the outcome to be? Or what do you, you know, what would be the best case scenario or the worst case scenario? And they can kind of help you frame like where your goal is going to go, but they're never going to decide for you what is right or what is wrong. Because like Emily said, you're there for yourself and you're allowed to make whatever choices you want to make. So I think that's a really good Mm -hmm. point that also I've heard people say, oh, like I just have too much shit or like life, you know, like my story is crazy or whatever. And I'm like, listen, therapists have probably heard it all. So like, I don't want to invalidate anybody's traumas or stories or anything at all because everything is valid. But like, you'd be surprised at what other people have gone through and what other people talk about in therapy that you might have no ideas going on in their life. So don't worry about the therapist judging you or thinking that you're weird or anything because like they were trained for this. They understand more than anybody. So feel free to be yourself. That's, that's a really good point because therapy is a safe space or at least it's meant to be a safe space. Right. So I think it's a good point that you bring up that like, I just had too much shit. Like I can't go through it because when somebody comes to me with quote unquote too much shit, when they're like, I have this, 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 and I'm like, all right, like, I'm not gonna say, okay, we immediately need to work on all this all at once. It's kind of like what I was saying before, like, I take it at my client's pace. And so I'll ask them oftentimes, like, when they have, like, I get a lot of, like, um, co-occurring disorders. So like, I'll get like an eating disorder with also maybe some PTSD, maybe some depression, maybe, you know, abuse in their history. And I'll be like, what do you feel? Again, you feel that you want to start with. And if they don't know, I might make a suggestion, but I always, always try to ask them first, like, what do you want to work on? And if you have this whole list of things, what do you feel is most pressing? And typically they'll know because it's the thing they, you know, either can't stop thinking about or the thing that's impacting their life the greatest. But like, and not that I do it like a checklist, like, okay, once we do that, we move on to that because I think most things are interrelated. But I always offer it to my client, like, you tell me my go-to line for a second session is, okay, so I asked a ton of questions in the first session. Now I want you to tell me where you want to start in this session. This one, this one's kind of yours. Cause in the first session, it's a lot of me asking a lot of questions. Um, and so I always, in the second session, I'm like, okay, where do you want to start? Even if you have a million things, I do not care. I will take it at your pace and we will, we will work through those things as long as you keep showing up. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I always tell people when they're going to their first therapy session is, you know, think about in your head, if you, you know, have all these different things that you want to talk about, just have like maybe a goal or two in mind that you can share with the therapist of the direction that you want to go to. So what would you suggest about kind of mind mapping? Like, this is where I want my therapy journey to start at least for right now, because obviously the goals can change 
as often as you want mm-hmm. them to. But I think it is helpful to and have some do. sort of direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they often do change from the first session to, you know, 30 sessions in. Right. Um, but I feel like, you know, somebody could come to me and be like, I'm depressed. I don't really have any goals. I'm just depressed. And I'm like, okay, that we can help you figure out what those goals are. Because I don't want like this. I, I'm not saying, Ashley, what you're saying is not good advice. Because I think having an idea of what you want to work on can be super helpful for the therapist and you to start somewhere. But I also don't want like this idea of like you have to have goals to be a barrier. Right? Because if mm-hmm. someone's like, I can barely get out of bed. What do you want? Like, what do you mean goal? Right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be a barrier. So if you know, and I always say like, we might set some goals because if people like don't have goals, I don't want to make, to make it seem like we have to set goals. So totally, totally understand where you're coming from with like, you know, maybe have, like you said, one or two things in mind that you want to work on, but that could be as simple as I'm depressed and I don't want to be depressed anymore. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And so like, even though that may seem like no information, a therapist will help you navigate that depression, help you understand it more, help you work through it, help you come learn coping skills, right? Like you can come to therapy. I've had people show up in the first session to be like, I could barely get myself here today. And I'm like, okay, that's good enough for now, right? That you just got here today. That is good enough. And so I totally get where you're coming from. But then just, you know, for anyone listening, who's like, I have no idea what my goals are. That's okay too. The therapist, it's their job to help you figure that out. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I, Yeah, that's a great point, because I was thinking about it more from my perspective about like, oh, God, I just have so much crap. Like, where do I even start? So for me, it just helped, you know, have like just to be not as overwhelmed, I guess you could say, because I had too much going on in my mind. But I've also been at the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm like, I don't know, I'm just like depressed and I just know I need to go to therapy for whatever reason. But like Emily said, there's things that you can have goals I guess you could say that could become goals in therapy six months from now or things Mm -hmm. that come up that you might have no idea even exist right now so it's totally evolving and things that you initially reached out to the therapist for might not even be an issue two months from now like who knows yeah you could be like me and you could go to therapy because you wanted to work on um, your attachment style and then learn that you have an eating disorder and PTSD and need to work on that. Yeah, so, like, it's, it's like surprise. Right, right. You can go to therapy with like literally no goal in mind, but just want want a space to talk to somebody. Like that's, I really feel like that's what we're emphasizing, Ash. And it's so cool to have mm-hmm. like a therapist client perspective. You know, somebody, I go to therapy too, but like as a mm-hmm. non-professional, it's cool to have this conversation because you can literally go to therapy for whatever the hell you want. Like there are no rules. And I think that's pretty cool. I keep saying that I'm such an such a nerd for therapy but like that's it's cool because you don't have to go for a specific reason like you don't have to go because you're in crisis mode you can go because mm-hmm. you are you know feeling lonely maybe you live alone and you just want you know that 60 minutes to talk to somebody each week like it's i think it's really cool when a therapist is willing to offer and most therapists are a space to do whatever you need like I think a big thing for me is having to learn that like every session doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm checking off this goal or I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing this intervention sessions can just be like giving someone a space to talk 
maybe they don't have anyone else to talk to for the whole week, but I give them that 50, 60 minute space to do that. And so therapy can be, like I said, whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel about if for when you were in the, the patient role and talking to a therapist, have you ever had sessions that you just felt like weren't productive or weren't hitting like you needed them to? Because I know I've definitely had those every once in a while and it just feels like almost like discouraging. I'm like, I'm not getting what I need out of this. But for myself, what I realized was I need to be and this was after knowing my therapist for a while, but I just need to be really clear in what direction I want to take something because for a while I was like, I just don't know if she's understanding like the path I'm trying to go down or what my specific, you know, by then I had had more clear cut goals. So I think it's also okay to make sure that therapy is, you know, you're a very active participant in it. Like we were kind of saying earlier, it's not just the therapist telling you what to do or guiding you. Like you're allowed to push back and have that opinion with your therapist too and be like, I just don't know if that, I tried that and it didn't work for me or, you know, I'd like to maybe try something else before we do this again. Please, please do that. Please push back because like I was saying, you know yourself best. And like a client told me that this morning when I was suggesting them to set a boundary with their parents this way, they were like, no, that's not going to work. And I was like, okay, you know your parents. I don't, right? So I, I actually appreciate when clients push back and I really try to make a a space that clients will feel comfortable doing that because something I also tell people in the first session is that like therapy, while it is a definitely a science, it is not an exact science, right? Like I cannot put in this um, equation and get the answer that I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely evidence-based, but it is not a science and that is exact. So I always tell people it's going to be trial and error. Like I'm going to maybe suggest a coping skill to you or suggest a way of doing something that may not work for you and that's okay, but I don't know that unless you're, yes, you're an active participant because that's another thing that like therapy is only effective if you're also putting the work outside of sessions, which we can, you know, get into, but it's really important that you have this, you able to accept that therapy is trial and error, whether that's trial and error with different therapists or trial and error with the same therapist, because I think if something's not working, it is so awesome to be able to use your voice to tell your therapist that rather than just being like, okay, I'm done. That was a bad session. I don't want to do this anymore. But to come and be like, actually, like, I don't think this is working. Like, can you, can we do a different modality? Can we try something else? And I'm like, I love when people do that. Cause I'm like, yes, like, thank you for using your voice. I want to empower. One of my goals for general therapy is to empower people. And so if I'm empowering you to use your voice and I feel like I'm doing my job and I appreciate the feedback because I'm not a perfect therapist. Nobody is, right? So I'm not always going to get it right with clients and I don't need to if they're using their voice to tell me if something is working or not working, Ashley. So I think that's great that you, you know, even if you feel discouraged, you're able to tell your therapist like, hey, could we focus on this? Or hey, that wasn't working for me because I wish more people did that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's something that took me a while to do for sure. And it's something that I now encourage other people that I know are going to therapy to do as well, because unfortunately not everything's going to work and your therapist tries their best, but 
you know, not every modality works for everybody. Not exercise works for, is going to work for everybody. And that's okay. That's why, you know, you're there to brainstorm with each other and see maybe you need a different, like you learn a different way or you best receive information in a, you know, video format versus like a textbook or something like that. So, you know, different people learn different ways and different things are going to work for them. So please don't feel discouraged if at first something doesn't work because there are literally thousands and thousands of, you know, different resources out there for various things. So um, like Emily was saying, your therapist will probably appreciate that you are interacting with them enough to be like, okay, let's collaborate on something new. Yeah. Therapy is only effective if it's, if it's collaborative, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if the therapist and the client are working together to meet the client's goals, that's when it's going to be most effective. When you're, when the therapist is saying like, okay, let's try this. And then you're doing those things outside session and they're not working or they are working. And then you sh share that feedback in the next session. Like, like I was saying before, the therapeutic relationship is so important. So the more you can communicate with the therapist, the more it feels collaborative, the better it's going to be. And, you know, something that, you know, maybe we can end on this because I feel like it's um, important to keep in mind is that a lot of people are like, oh, I don't think therapy's going to work for me. Or like, I just, you know, I don't really, I don't trust therapists or I don't like therapy or whatever your beliefs towards therapy are. What you're doing now isn't working for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be considering it, right? So a lot of times mm -hmm. I'll tell people, just try it, right? Whether it's therapy, whether it's a specific coping skill or specific, you know, way of doing something why not just give it a shot? That's a cool thing. I literally keep saying this, but another cool thing about therapy is that like, you don't sign a contract that says you have to keep coming for, you know, like you signed for a gym membership, you probably signed for at least 30 days. That's not right. how therapy works. You have one, like we were saying before, you have one session or you have a couple of sessions and it doesn't work. You're literally under no obligation to go back to that therapist and the therapist will never share your information. So like mm -hmm. you just try it. Like that is all I ask people when it comes to therapy, even like for the people that have the most internalized stigma for therapy, I always just encourage them to try it because what do you have to lose? Sure. Maybe therapy does cost money, so you could lose that money, but you could also like learn a lot about yourself and improve your way of being. So I feel like if that's a message I would send to anybody, it's just to try it and don't give up after, you know, one bad session or a couple, when I say bad and putting it in quotes, just because I think you still learn something, even if you meet a therapist and it's not your way or what you're looking for, just to try it, like try it, try again, try till you find the right therapist. And even though that can be like Ashley said, emotionally exhausting, it is so worth it. Like Ashley and I feel like we always talk about how, worth it our healing journeys are and have been and so it is definitely worth it in the end and I feel like Ashley backed me up as a non-therapist on this <laughs> yes absolutely because I was gonna say the possible gains that you can get from going to therapy versus not going because you're too nervous or you know don't want to put in the time it or whatever the reason may be which you know the reasons that you have could be valid, but the reward that you get is so much bigger than anything that was holding you back, at least in our cases. Like, I can imagine where we would be 
if we had never gone to therapy years ago, I'm sure we would not be sitting in these seats. We would not be recording this podcast. Actually, that's why our name is because we went to therapy. (laughs) Yeah, literally. So we made a whole podcast about going to therapy. Right. Exactly. So obviously it worked for us and I've, I don't know. I hesitate to say something as dramatic as I've never had anybody tell me they regretted going to therapy, but I would say the successes far outweigh the negatives in this instance. And, you know, hopefully with time we can get better access and affordability with mental health care in the U S but until then, um, the, onus kind of is on us to be able to, you know, encourage people to continue going to therapy, trying to keep, you know, finding the right health or finding the right fit for your mental health. So, you know, that's all I got to say on that. Obviously we could (laughs) talk about why it's important to go to therapy all day, every day. And like you said, we literally like have a career off of it. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. Um, Right. And just, just give it a shot. Right. And if like you're nervous about it, that's, I don't know if I've ever had an intake with someone who isn't nervous. So like, it's totally normal, but it's so worth it. Like hopefully, and this is something I really tried to do is like by the end of that 15 minutes, hopefully they feel a little bit more at ease, right. And a little bit more willing to do this, but if not, that's okay too. Like just, just try it. And you know, the more we can talk about therapy, the more we can talk about going to therapy and how helpful therapy was, the less we can stigmatize it and the less, you know, people we can lose to mental health issues. So it really is important. This is why Ashley and I do this podcast to normalize mental health, normalize therapy, normalize trial and error within therapy and just encourage everyone to invest in themselves. Like as cheesy as this sounds, and I feel like a guy on a stage talking about investing in his company, but like invest in yourself. It's literally the best thing you'll ever do. And there's no better because even though therapy does cost money personally, and again, I'm biased because I am a therapist, but there's no better investment than your mental health and your physical health, but your overall well-being is so important. So why not give it a shot to try and invest in it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And like Emily was saying, there's so much more to gain versus lose. So obviously we're total proponents of it and we'll provide <laughs> as many resources as we can in the show notes, like psychology today and just, um, you know, different types of therapy and just kind of sum up the resources that we talked about. So hopefully this does encourage some people to go to therapy or maybe start their therapy journey or jump back into it. If you've been out of it for a couple of years, because that's something that we could talk about some other time too, is going to therapy for a while and then stopping for whatever reason for years. And then, you know, like we were talking about earlier, maybe moving or your therapist not practicing anymore whatever yeah, is starting with a new therapist or starting yeah. in, you know, individual versus couples therapy. Maybe you and Ryan can talk about that too. I think that would be interesting. The dichotomy of, sure. you know, being in dual therapies at once, but um, you know, the benefits far outweigh the negatives in our opinion. And if you know somebody that's struggling to start their therapy journey, but they've talked to you about wanting to maybe look into it, you know, consider 
sending them this podcast. So hopefully they feel a little bit more at ease with starting their therapy journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, encouraging people just to try it can be really helpful, normalizing by talking about your experience. But yeah, if we hope this episode was helpful. And if you know you think it'd be helpful to talk about restarting therapy, we can definitely do another episode on that. And like we said, look out in the future for episodes about um, EMDR, acceptance and commitment therapy, and let us know if there's other modalities. Maybe we could find somebody who specializes in that to come on. Um, but if you are following along and you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a, leave us a review. It really helps out the show. And we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. We know you have a million podcasts to choose from. So we really appreciate this. And we will talk to you guys next week. Love you, Ash. Love you, Em.